Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our epistle lesson from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul writes, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. And so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. I know that none of us here today are lacking. We all have clothes to wear, I can see that. We all have food in our fridges and cupboards. We all have homes to go to that we can cool in the summer and if we need to heat in the winter. I know that there's none of us here who are lacking in any of these things. I know that all of your basic needs are met. And I know that there's sometimes when you wonder, yeah, how are things going to come out this month? Is there going to be enough to pay the bills? Right, where things seem a little tight and a little close, but, but every time, God provides. He makes sure that your earthly needs are met. And for most of us, if not all of us, we have more than just our needs, don't we? We've got more stuff than we could ever, ever need. Right? We've got closets full of things. We've got garages that you can't even park cars in because it's so full of stuff. Right? If, if we really stop and recognize we are blessed beyond measure with the, the earthly things of this life. And I'm not just talking about money and possessions today either. Every one of us is blessed and is not lacking in abilities. Abilities that God has given us to do things, to work, to serve. And time. God has blessed every one of us with time. And if you say, well, I don't have any time, that's your own making. You've chosen to, chosen to fill up your time with, with things. But we all have time. We all have the same amount of minutes in every day. God has blessed us, every one of us, with time and abilities, and money, and possessions, all of these things from his fatherly hand. Everything, all of them. We're not lacking in any of them. 
I don't think the problem is that, that we're lacking, any of us here sitting here this morning. But there is a problem. Because while it's not what we don't have, it's what we do with what we have. It's how we view it. It's our attitude towards our money and possessions and our abilities and our time. The problem often is forgetting what they're for. Why God, in his grace, so richly lavishes all these things on us. So what are they for? Why does God give us our wealth, our possessions, our abilities, and even our time? Summed up in one word, and then we're going to go through the sermon and talk about what this looks like. It's generosity. To be generous. That's why God gives it to us. All of these blessings of this life, all these earthly blessings, to be generous. And the word in the Greek that's used here for, for generosity and being generous, and that's used other places in, in the New Testament too, that word generosity goes back to a root word that means to be of single-minded purpose. That I've got a purpose in how I live my life and why I live my life and what it's all about. To be generous. And, and we need these reminders, don't we? Because this just does not come naturally to us, to be generous. To be thinking about how I'm going to use everything I have in this life for others. Instead, it's often selfishness. About what's mine. This isn't natural to us. And maybe we need some encouragement once in a while. And maybe that's what's going on with these Christians in Corinth, as Paul's writing to them. Right? Maybe, maybe they're struggling with being generous. Or maybe they just need some encouragement on the why of generosity. Whatever it is, Paul here is writing in this portion of the letter about generosity and, and the use of all of the earthly blessings that, that he has entrusted to us in his grace. See, what's going on is the people in Rome, the Christians in Rome, were undergoing severe persecution and poverty. And Paul and the other apostles have been going around in this area and collecting an offering to support their fellow Christians who are far off in Rome. And as he writes to the Corinthians about that opportunity to do this, he points to the example of the Macedonian churches. He says this, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. This area of Macedonia, it, it, at least you may not know exactly a lot about Macedonia, but you certainly know some of the cities that were in that area. The city of Philippi was in Macedonia, you know, who Paul wrote a letter to, the, the letter to the Philippians. Thessalonica was in Macedonia, right? You know that one. That's the, that's the one that Paul wrote a letter to the Thessalonian Christians. The uh, city of Berea was there. Now, there's no letter to the Bereans that we have in the Bible, 
But the Bereans are talked about in the book of Acts. They were, they were more noble than others. They, they searched the scriptures every day when they listened to Paul to see if what he was saying was true. They, they loved to be in the scriptures. These congregations and these cities in Macedonia, Paul points to them as an example for these Corinthian Christians. And he says, they too are undergoing their own extreme poverty. They too are under severe trial, but look what they are doing. It has resulted in overflowing joy. It has resulted in rich generosity. They heard about this opportunity, and we couldn't stop them. They couldn't help but want to give and help. And they gave more than we ever could have expected. They wanted to do this. They urged us to take part in this. It was entirely on their own because they, they wanted to have the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. These churches in Macedonia saw it as a privilege that they had to share of what they had been given. As much or as little as it was. They got to share in this service this ministry is really what that word is there. This ministry of, of giving. And why? Why were they so moved in their own poverty, in their own trials? And they didn't just say, well, woe is me. I've got my own troubles. I can't help anybody else. Why were they filled with overflowing joy at this opportunity to give? It says, because they knew the grace of God. They knew what their God had done for them in his grace. They knew that everything they had was a blessing from him. They knew the grace of of their Lord Jesus Christ that moved them to look out and say what do we do how can we help how can we make this love of God known Paul holds out these Christians in Macedonia as an example to these Corinthians to encourage them or maybe to correct them to get them in line with their thinking about what this life is really all about that what we've been given, what it's really all for. Generosity. A single-minded purpose. To serve, to love, to give. Not only of our wealth and our resources, but our abilities and our time. Everything that God has entrusted to us. And maybe like these Corinthian Christians, you need to be reminded to. Or you need to be encouraged and so look around at examples that you have. Examples that God has placed in your life of, of those who were extremely generous. Not just of their money, but of their time, of their abilities. To be an example to you as you seek to struggle to, 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 to live this Christian life and, and remember what this is all about. I, I, I think back at times in my life. I, I think back, and many of you know, um, Laura, my wife, and I spent a couple of years in Cameroon, Africa, about almost 20 years ago now. And, and we would go and stay out in, in these remote villages for a couple of weeks where there's no running water, there's no electricity. You've got to go out and pull your food out of the garden or kill it. You've got to go down to the stream to get water for cooking and for, for bathing. And we'd look at that and say, they don't have anything. How terrible, how sad. But I will tell you, 
that those people in those villages were the most content and joyful people I've ever met. Because they knew that life wasn't about the abundance of their possessions. They knew it wasn't about the things of this world, but they knew the grace of God. They knew what God had done for them in Christ Jesus. And they would come into their churches and, and they'd take an offering. And we'd be sitting thinking, what do they have to give? But here they came, giving. Sometimes it was sometimes it was chickens. Sometimes it was money. But they gave out of what we would call poverty with overflowing joy and rich generosity. That was an example to me on what this looks like. I'm privileged to teach a class every week to people in China. Every Monday afternoon for an hour and a half, I get to do a Bible study on Skype with people who are in China and using a translator. We get to be in God's Word and talk about how it applies to our lives. And I'll tell you, these Chinese Christians are an example to me every single week. Because you know that being a Christian in China is against the law. These people, when they live their faith and witness their faith, are, are putting them, themselves in danger. To lose their jobs, to lose property and home, potentially maybe even if they're alive, their lives. But yet, they, but yet they take time to study God's word. Many of them have churches that meet in their homes. Because you can't have a building with a sign on it that it's a Christian church. They meet in their homes and they open up their homes. Their, their rich generosity in what would seem like a very meager situation for us. And they're overflowing with joy. Because they know the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think of a, a man from my former congregation in Milwaukee who was not a man of financial means. And he would be the first to tell you that he wasn't a man of many abilities either. But he gave of his time. He was the first to answer the call to help. The first to be out canvassing. The first to be saying, what can I do and the last to leave. This man was an example to me that giving and generosity is not just about our things, but just giving of our time and serving others. And I saw in, in him that overflowing joy because he knew the grace of God. He knew that all of his time belonged to God and he couldn't help but want to give every minute he could in service to God and to his people. And I look at this church, and I look at there are members here who are busy, and they have families, they have jobs, they have other obligations, but they give of their time, and they come, and they serve. They serve God, and they serve you. They are examples to me, and, and hopefully to you, as they find joy in their service, being generous with their time and their abilities. Because they know the grace of God. So friends, look at your life. Who is it that can be an example to you on what a life of generosity looks like? Maybe it's somebody who hasn't become overwhelmed with the things of this life like you have become. You say, I want to be like that. <laughs> right? 
someone who hasn't been overcome by the busyness and all of these outward things that just really in the end don't matter a whole lot, that's what I want to be like. They get it. They understand that the spiritual things are so much more important than the earthly things, and I want that too. For you on what's really important, what really matters, what your Christian life is really all about in this world. We need those examples. As these Corinthian Christians needed the example of those Macedonian Christians. And Paul tells the Corinthians, he says in this letter, that, that you are excelling. You're excelling in love. You're excelling in faith. You're excelling in, in knowledge. You're excelling in your earnestness. And he says now also, see to it that you excel in this grace of giving. You see, even giving. Giving of our resources, yes, but giving of our time and our abilities, it's, that's grace too. And we're encouraged here, along with these Corinthians, to excel in that. And maybe this is a good time for you to, to stop and think about what am I excelling at in my life. Right? Look, look, look at your life. Look at your schedule. Look at, look at where you spend your time and what you do. Well, what are you excelling in? Is it busyness? Is it worry? Is it the things of this life that have become so important to you? What are you excelling in in life? And if those are the types of things that you've been pursuing, if those are the things that have become most important to you, repent. Go to the cross. Because in the end, all of those are like grass of the field, flowers, here today, gone tomorrow. In the end, none of those things matter. Repent. And like these Corinthian Christians, long to excel in the greater things. In love. God's love for you and love for one another. In faith. That my faith is way too important to let anything else take the place of my time in God's word. In your knowledge. Your knowledge of, of this word. And your wisdom to, be able, the wisdom to be able to apply it. That you want to excel in earnestness. That I'm not just going through the motions of going to church and saying I'm a Christian and throwing my offerings in, but that earnestness and that it impacts how I live and how I think. And along with that, to excel in the grace of giving. The grace of giving. The opportunities that God gives to us to be generous with everything that he's entrusted to us. Friends, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a statement. There's a period at the end of that. Or is it a question for you? Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you, it, it, I'm not just talking about you know, what the word grace means. And I'm not just talking about you can read the words on a page. I'm just, just saying that, you know, it's a head knowledge. But do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because if there is a disconnect, if, if you don't really grasp what grace is, your life's going to be off. Your priorities are going to be out of whack. 
You're going to be focused on the things of this life instead of the greater things. You're going to get so caught up in the worries and the busyness of this life and, and really miss out on what's really, really important. But when you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you really know it, not only with mind but with heart, that's where you're set free to be generous. And what is that grace? Do you need a reminder? I do. Paul tells us. He says, the last verse, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, King over all, became poor for you. He set aside all of his riches and his honor and his glory as God. And as I could quiz our youth confirmation classes here, uh, class students this morning, and I won't. They would tell you that's Jesus' state of humiliation, the humbling of himself, the setting aside of that power and glory so that he could come into this world, take on flesh, and live a life of poverty. And yes, he was physically poor in the things of this life. He, he said, I don't even have a place to, to lay my head that I can call my own but poor in spirit. Becoming absolutely, completely humble. humble. To humble himself under the law of God. To have to obey every commandment. And to humble himself and to be obedient even to death. Death on a cross. Think about that. The Lord and King of all. The ruler of the nations. The one whose throne is in heaven gave up everything, even his own life, so that you, through that poverty, might become rich. And oh yes, we, we are rich in the blessings of this world. And I don't use that term loosely, I'm using it very literally. Every one of us here is in the top 3% of the world's population and in income and wealth. You are rich, physically, materially, in the things of this life. But that's not what Paul is writing about here. He's not talking about, through Jesus, you get all these earthly riches. He's talking about the greater riches, the spiritual riches that are yours through his poverty, through his life and through his death. You are rich. Forgiveness for every single sin. Peace with your heavenly Father. Joy that, that there's more to this life than just the busyness and the things. The hope that there's something beyond this life of suffering and difficulty. You are rich in these blessings and so many more. And God desires to lavishly pour them out upon you. Through his means of grace. They are yours in great abundance. He will never hold them back from you. You will never be lacking when you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. To know this grace and to grow in this grace so that we can live in this grace and partake in the grace of giving. Of being generous. To see that our lives have new purpose. To use everything we've been entrusted with.
all of our wealth, all of our resources, all of our time and abilities. To glorify God. Paul writes here, he says, I'm not commanding you. This isn't a command. This isn't something we have to do. This is just who we are. This is what we get to do as Christians. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, it's time to live like it. It's time to live like you know that grace. To continually be reminded what our lives are all about here. To make them stop being about all the busyness and all the things we have to do and things we have to get and to come back to what our lives as Christians are about. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who supplies us with every blessing we need for this life and even more importantly, for the next. You know this grace. Long to know it more. Long to live in it. Long to grow in it. To be focused on what really gives your life meaning. What really gives its purpose. What alone can bring you true joy and true contentment. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you get to go and be generous with him. God help you do so. Amen. Please stand.